regardless of where you're at, where you are in your faith journey, there's one thing that I want you to hear. One word, one important word. It's a word you never, almost never hear at Christmas. It's not the usual thing that you're expecting me to say. It's something which actually is so incredible that it changes everything. But before I tell you that word, I need to tell you a story about why I have slight post-traumatic stress over carol services and over Christmas in general. When I grew up, I grew up as a kid in Nigeria. I was about eight years old. My parents took me to a carol service just like this, apart from it was in Nigeria. My parents made this church, started a church, planted a church, and we had this carol service, and it was kind of a big deal because in those days, Christianity was really struggling to find a kind of a toehold in Nigeria. But we went to this carol service. I was eight years old, me, my little brother, my mum, my dad. We came back from the carol service and we tried to get into our house. My dad suddenly realized, oh no, I've left the keys in the house. We're locked out. And I kind of blame myself what happens next because I think I was the one that tugged on my dad's shirt and said, dad, we can get a ladder from next door and we can climb in to our house. Our flat in the complex was on the first floor. My dad said, good idea, son. Gets the ladder, moves over. All of a sudden, as my dad's halfway up the ladder, there's this terrifying, blood-curdling scream. And this guy comes charging towards us. Now, I need to understand and let you understand. This is Nigeria. It's the 70s. And in our apartment complex, we had a sophisticated security system. And that sophisticated security system was called Mohammed. He was, um, <laughs> it's true, he was an old guy. And I distinctly remember Mohammed because he had two teeth, solitary teeth, but a big sword. And uh, he was charged with keeping the whole security complex uh, safe. And we hadn't seen him all night. And suddenly, this guy comes charging towards us. And it's not Mohammed. This guy is even more scary than Mohammed. Mohammed has two teeth, one sword. This man has one tooth, two swords. <laughs> he comes charging in with this blood-curdling sound. My mum screams out, Who are you? He says, because we're expecting Muhammad, this is not Muhammad. He says, you're not Muhammad. And the man said, I am Baba Tunde, and you are going to die. <laughs> and uh, it was simultaneously for my eight-year-old mind, the most scary and yet the most exciting <laughs> moment of my life. And this guy comes in and... Uh, I was just terrified. I was thinking, you know, all my friends get nice things for Christmas. What do I get? Killed. And uh, <laughs> he comes in, and just as the whole thing is escalating wildly, one of our neighbors runs in. She's Auntie Shade. And Auntie Shade runs in, and she's waving her hands as well. And she says, stop it. Don't do this. Don't do this. They are good people. They live here. You should not be killing them. <laughs> and Baba Tunde says, okay. I will help you break in. <laughs> and he takes it. Now, I may have exaggerated slightly. I was eight years old. And when you're eight years old, everything is incredibly dramatic. Maybe I wasn't about to be killed. It just felt like it. But what it really did feel like was here I was at Christmas, and I couldn't get into the place where I belonged. I was barred. When I think about Christmas, when I think about Christmas in our culture, it feels like our culture is full of babatundes. People and a, 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 a kind of a, a sentiment that wants to keep Christ 
out of the very place that he belongs. Christmas. You take Christ out of Christ mass, what have you got? Just mass. Mass indulgence, mass pleasure, mass eating, mass extravagance, mass sprouts. It's, um, it's actually quite good. It's amazing. It's brilliant. It's a wonderful thing. But Christ without Christmas is actually missing. And for some of you, you have your own little internal babatundes, a little warrior inside of you that is charged with keeping out Christ from Christmas, keeping out the person that actually belongs there, keeping out the one who can actually make sense of the whole thing. And why we do something like this, a carol service like this, we embrace Christmas, we love Christmas, but why we do it is that we want to be like Auntie Shade, running towards you, waving our hands and saying, listen, listen, you need to let this one in. You need to make room. You need to open up the door. You need to allow them to come in. You need to allow Jesus into Christmas. The gospel writers, when they talk about Christmas, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, Mark doesn't mention Christmas because he's in such a hurry to tell the story about Jesus. And essentially, it doesn't matter how he came into the world. The fact is, Jesus came into the world, and Mark just wants to get on with the story. But when Luke tells the story, we've had readings from Luke and Matthew today. We've had Luke, Matthew, and John. When Luke tells the story, he is interested in the ground level, the grassroots, the human interest. Luke is always interested in people. He wants to tell you about the young girl, about how it was to be an unmarried mother in an honor culture where you would be forever crowned with shame. He wants to talk to you about the shepherds because they were the lowest of the low. They were the, the, the bottom. They were the under belly of society. They were the job that you could do when you could get no other job. He wants to tie that it was good news for the shepherds. He wants to tie this thing as true. It's true. It's true that God came, became human. He wants you to know the truth and how it affects people. When Matthew tells the story, he wants to go not just at the grassroots, the ground level, the people, the human interests. He wants to go big. He wants to go geopolitical. He wants to talk about the implications that God is doing something brand new, that God is bringing a kingdom. So Matthew wants to talk to you about Herod, King Herod. He wants to talk to you about Magi, men from the East, Zoroastrian astrologers, who somehow in their kind of semi-scientific understanding had gleaned that something special was happening. And Matthew wants you to know that wherever there is a Herod, a dictator who has no morals, who is crooked, who keeps people down under his boot, that God comes to challenge that government, that God comes to challenge with a brand new king. And Matthew wants you to know that it's not just a baby. This is a king. And that's why he tells you about Magi bringing gold, gold for a king as well as the incense for a priest and myrrh to anoint the body of someone who dies, already looking forward to his death. So Luke wants you to get, it's human, it's people. Matthew wants you to know God is doing a brand new thing. He's starting a brand new kingdom. Here's a brand new king, born in a brand new way. But John, this is the weird thing. This is such a strange thing. Because of all the writers that write about the Christmas story, John is the one that knows it the most. Because John, church history tells us, John was the one that took in Mary, the mother of Jesus. That 14-year-old peasant girl who finds herself unexpectedly, inexplicably pregnant. 
who has these incredible visions and angelic visitations and unusual things happening. And she knows she's got a very, very special child. And John is the one, when Jesus is crucified and then resurrected, the Bible and church history, ancient church history, tells us that it was John who took Mary. As far as we know, they went to live in Ephesus. They were spread out there from the persecution of the early Christians, the early believers. And John brought Mary into his house. Jesus on the cross, his last dying wish to John was, look after my mum, take her in, be a son to him, and mother, you be a mother to him. And so John has years, tell me about those times, tell me about the shepherds, tell me about the magi, tell me the geopolitical stuff, tell me the human interest stuff. And John, more than anybody, knew all the things that happened. But when John writes his account, he writes as an old man, He says, it's bigger than a human story. It's bigger than a political story. This is a cosmic story. And this is why it's important to let Jesus in. It tells us who we are. If you don't understand Christmas, you don't understand where you came from and what you mean and why you matter. And when John starts his Christmas account, he says, in the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the word that the Christmas story starts not 2,000 years ago, but it starts at the very dawn of time and space and reality itself. And when we look in this world, where is the world is full of discord, disunity, confusion, we don't know what's happening with our country. We don't know what's happening with our world. We don't know what's happening with our planet. And yet John says, before all of that and above all of that, in the beginning, God expressed himself as truth, as the word, as the message. The message that Jesus gives is not just spoken, it's embodied. The Bible term for Jesus is the word in Greek, logos. The message, truth, it's truth. Not just truth for people, not just truth for kingdoms, but truth in all of its Form. He is absolute reality, is utter truth. In the beginning was the word. And this truth about us and where we come from and what makes us tick, he says this, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. God became a human being. That is the Christmas story. And so John is able to say as an eyewitness, he says this, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son. And then this is where the word comes in. He's full of grace and truth. This is the word that I want you to get. This is the word that I want you to appreciate. That Christmas is fundamentally about one thing. And it's not truth. So sometimes Christians can be all grumpy about Christmas. Hey, give us our festival back. Take it back from Julie Andrews. We demand Jesus be put back in there. But actually, it's not just about truth. Because I could tell you the truth about me, and it wouldn't be that great. And I could tell you the truth about you. And if we brought you up here and we told the truth about you, the truth that no one really knows, the truth that only you know, if we told that story, it wouldn't necessarily be that good for you. 
And if we told you the truth about God and, and what he requires and how he's holy and perfect and righteous and just and how we have messed up and broken up and fallen apart, that truth is a hard truth. But this is the word and this is the word that you need to hear. It's not just truth. It's grace. Grace. That's what I want you to open your hearts up to this Christmas time. Grace means that God has done for you something that you absolutely did not deserve. That he has given you something which you had no right to have. John says that he has lavished upon us such love. That no matter how far you have wandered away from him. No matter what you've done. No matter how broken you are. No matter how lost, confused, lonely, afraid, unsure, uncertain. God gives you his love, and God gives you himself. He comes and packages himself in flesh. He becomes a child. He becomes a human being. You need to know here that God is real and that God loves you, and that his grace is here for you. And that's why we sing about a silent night. That's why we sing about a savior who is born. Because despite our mess, God comes in. And for shepherds who are on the outside, marginalized, ignored, looked down upon, it's grace to them. They get treated like kings. And for the astrologers who are the wrong people in the wrong place doing the wrong thing, it's grace for them. Listen, you may be here this evening and you don't normally do church. You don't normally think about this stuff. You just give it a pass because it's Christmas and you thought, yeah, I'll go and it's fun and it's part of the season. But you just need to know there's grace for you. Grace for you that God has lavished upon you his love, his kindness and his goodness. In a moment, I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing our carols. But I just want to give you this invitation. We've got uh, an event coming up next year. It falls right in line with the whole New Year's resolutions, January. It starts on January the 23rd. It's an alpha course. If you've never done an alpha course, if you could just pass me one of those flyers. Thanks. This is um, a flyer. You should find one on your chair. But an alpha course is something that allows us to discover not just the truth about God, about life, about meaning, about the big questions, but the truth and grace that we find in Jesus Christ. It's a 10-week course. If you've never done one of these before, you really need to do it. It's amazing. You get to come in. We do it in our big Woodlands Clifton campus. We have a huge meal together. It's totally free. And uh, then there's a, a talk, engaging talk. And uh, then you mix up into groups where you put with other people that are just like you, full of questions, just like you, full of history and thoughts and Doubts and not sure, atheists, agnostics, different religions, just like you. You get to talk, you get to explore. So I'd like you to take one of these. But also by the uh, entrance as you go out tonight, here's a little thing called Why Christmas. a little booklet that explains the Christmas message, why it makes sense, what it's all about and how it can change your life. Don't be the Babatunde today. Don't be the one that is barring from your heart the message of the word become flesh. The grace that we find in Jesus Christ. The embodiment of God's love for you. There's questions that can be answered. There's a, a, a search that you can go on and you can find the destination. But it starts with you opening your heart. Letting him in. 
not barring him out, not waving aggressively, but saying, Jesus, if you're really there, I'm willing and I'm open. Let's pray. I just want you to make this prayer your own, make it personal to you. Lord Jesus, we don't fully understand all of this. The idea that you were the word in the beginning is It's hard for us to comprehend, but I pray that you'd help us. I pray that we would be able to open ourselves up to you. And I want to pray, Lord Jesus, for every single person here that feels far away from you. I pray that this Christmas will be a time when they begin to experience a glimmer of grace. That you'd come close to us, that you'd help us. That you'd open our hearts so that we can let you in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.